0: Good afternoon. Welcome in to Locked On Sports Atlanta for another edition of our Locked On Sports Atlanta Hangout. I'm Mark Zinno. I'm joined by John Chuckery of Hitting Hard. Jarvis Davis of ATL Day Ones is once again, uh, like Voltron, we come together to bring you the ultimate sports show uh, surrounded by Atlanta sports. Gentlemen, uh, good day to you. How is everybody doing?
1: Doing really well, Mark. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate that, man. <laughs> nobody concludes on Friday, right? Like nobody, nobody on Friday. Friday. <laughs> and we got paid, so nobody
2: concludes on Friday.
1: <laughs> first time listener, first time uh hosting. Yeah, let's yeah, do it, they, man. <laughs> they,
0: they, uh, listen, they, there's a lot to get to. So it's great to be with everybody again. You know, we, this is the second iteration of our, our, our locked on ATL hangout, so uh where we all come together. You guys have if you follow us here on locked on at locked on atl, um and you know, see all the different shows. We, we try to come together once a month where we uh, just put all the brain trust together and, ha- and have some great discussion about what's going on here in Atlanta sports. So iteration number two of this, we we do give a, a moment of silent and pause for sweet tea to nature Batiste who's not with us today. Also part of our locked on sports Atlanta network, uh, but she'll be back for our next iteration. We promised that. All right, let's get into it here, gentlemen, as we start Atlanta Falcons uh, heading into their third preseason game. Uh, and, and I guess, I mean, I think the Dion Jones thing itself is, is a whole different, conversation that we'll get into later but you know i am somebody and i've said this routinely on a to z like i don't look for anything in preseason games like i don't care i don't think there's anything to glean from this stuff i i don't i i don't have much uh i don't think there's much translation for what i see in a preseason game to the regular season but there has only been kind of one thing that i've really been monitoring and watching that i saw from the first preseason game to the second preseason game and at least in the second preseason game, I saw quarterbacks who stayed in the pocket and didn't run. Because at the end of the day, you know, the best playmaker on this offense is Kyle Pitts. The second best playmaker may be Drake London. The third best playmaker might be Cordero Patterson. You know who I know the best playmaker isn't? Marcus Mariota or Desmond Ritter. So it's their job to get the ball in the hands of their best playmaker. And I want to see more of that than anything else. Taking off and running for six yards on third and five, that's great. It's wonderful. But it's not a recipe for winning four quarters of a football game. You've got to get the ball to other people who can make things happen. And for me, that's the only thing I really care about from an offensive standpoint.
2: Well, also, too, is you gotta be able to block for those guys too, right? I mean, that's the other <laughs> right. thing. Like when, when I what <laughs> the, the thing that I've really <laughs> watched is tell me what our offensive line is gonna look like, right? I mean, you know, we're still there's one position left that's center. And I was here and Jarvis was here when it was James Stone and Mike Person. And literally they couldn't, when Matt was in shotgun, they literally couldn't snap the football to him. He had to have a baseball glove and scoop it off the turf. You don't want to be bad, you know, at certain positions on your offensive line. So the center battle to me, which Arthur Smith's made it clear, we're not going to know what's going to happen with that spot until we get into game week. But I want to see somebody take the lead in that. I want to see somebody go win it. Right now, nobody's going out there and winning it. It's attrition right now that's happening at center. Yeah, uh, uh, McGarry's won the right tackle spot. He's legitimately won that. You know, Wilkinson, I think by default, is left guard. But nobody's tried to win the center job. I want to see somebody go out there and run somebody over at that spot and, and tell me that they want to win the job. So I'm with you, Mark. I mean, I don't want my quarterbacks running all around. Part of that running around was because they're going to get their head caved in if they don't run around and get something done.
1: And I think that's one of the reasons why Arthur Smith offense kind of fits what he wants. These guys want to fit what he wants to do as far as Desmond Ritter and Marcus Marietta because let's face it like Arthur Smith has had success with Pretty mediocre quarterbacks in this league, right? Because I think that he's an excellent play caller. I think he puts his quarterbacks in situations where you're—they're going to be able to have easy have easy decisions to make. If it's not there, one to two reads, and then then you take off with the football because that's going to help your offense, going to help move the chains, keep your defense off the field. I think all of those things are part of Arthur Smith's plan for this offense to be better. So, but I, so, but I do think there is something that you can glean from preseason, right? Because I think that. I think I've seen, you know, Matt Matt Hennessy kind of take the reins with that with that position because we don't necessarily haven't been really calling his name, right? We like we we saw last year there were a lot of leaks up in the middle. Like we saw Matt Hennessy, damn Matt Hennessy, damn Matt Hennessy holding. Penalty, you know, hold a dude if you gonna get beat like that. I just we think we saw a lot of things last year and I don't think we necessarily seeing that. But I think Drew Dahmer did have a solid game this past this past past week, but there's still was some things that I think he needs to get better on. So I'd rather get a guy in there that you don't necessarily call his name for anything bad. And if if that's the case with the offensive linemen, that's all you really ask for. I mean, Mark,
2: you know let, let me say one thing, Mark to you. You know, but besides having uh, Derek Henry and Ryan Tanne. You know what else Arthur Smith had? He had Jack Conklin and Taylor Lewan <sighs> and guys like that to just run people over. Some and, dudes. You know, it's, it's yep. easy yep. to have a great running game when those guys are leading the way up front, too.
0: Yeah, and, and to your point, like I, I have resigned to the fact from the offensive line, this is on Arthur Smith. He's got to scheme his way out of this. That, yeah. That's all you can do. That's, that's fair. That's yeah. All he can do, like it, it, you know, what you're working with. Every offensive coordinator, every play caller in the last three seasons in Atlanta has understood that this is a major deficiency from a talent standpoint, save left tackle. Uh, You've got questions and maybe McGarry's getting a little bit better, but you've got questions across the board on the offensive line. So from that standpoint, it's on the coach and the coaching staff to be able to figure out a way to get positive yardage uh, and, and not get yourself in third and seven every time because you're getting stuffed in the run. I I don't know what that answer is. It may be very tough. It It may, it may be a situation that they are going to struggle with, but at the end of the day, there is so much more, I think, in general on Arthur Smith this year than it is on the talent. And this is, guys, I can guarantee you this will be the post-mortem conversation we'll have on the 2022 season. You know, there'll be somebody like me saying, I got to blame Arthur Smith. He knew, he, he knew what he had talent-wise. He, knew, he, he couldn't scheme out of it, couldn't push the right buttons. And people will say, well, when he gets better talent, he'll be able to do that. Which came first, the chicken or the egg, right? Are you a good yeah. coach because you know how to scheme or are you a good coach because you have good players? And and I think that'll be the postmortem conversation on this season. I have to trust that Arthur Smith, if he's as good as we think he is and he's as talented as we think he is of a head coach, it goes beyond having Taylor One, Jack Conklin, Derek Henry, Ryan Tannehill, right? Like there's got to be some measure of it's got to go beyond that because I feel like he would have been exposed a little bit last year because he didn't have any of those guys last year. And for good, better, or different, they still managed to win 10 games. And I don't think it was all Matt Ryan. Like I, I know the quarterback matters. But Matt didn't win seven games on his own. There were other things that went on in those games that helped him win.
2: Well, they were – the big difference is look at what they were in one-score games. They were dreadful yeah. under Dan Quinn in one-score oh, games, and they turned me. that around in a year. So I'm with you, Mark. Look – There'll be some regression here this year, though. Right we're going to learn more about Arthur Smith and Dean Pease and what those guys can do because they don't have all the talent. They don't have all the players that they want out there. They are going to have to coach better. And look, Arthur's trying to learn too. look, he's going to have to be better timeouts, clock management, all the stuff that Dan never got better at as the, as the years went on, they were just as bad in year six as they were in year one and all that. So he's going to have to figure out some things as well, but I'm with you. They part of why they won seven games last year is they did coach better, you know, and they were, you know, look, Say what you will understand. They were awful teams in the second half of games. If you look at their third quarter scoring and where they ranked in the NFL and how many points they gave, up, they would come out of halftime and they would get run over by a lot of teams. They changed that. And they changed up their dynamic in one-score games. So I'm with you. They're going to have to coach a lot better this year if they are going to be competitive. I don't know if they can even get the seven wins or not, but if they get the six or seven wins – Hell, Arthur Smith might be the coach of the year in the NFL if they.
0: I, I said the same thing. Look, if they, yeah. if they, with this roster, which generally everybody agrees, even though I don't, it's one of the worst in the NFL. Like, it, there was a position grouping thing done by, uh, by ESPN.com. Every Falcons position group, with the exception of corner, tight end, and D line, which obviously is AJ Terrell, Kyle Pitts, and Grady Jarrett, was in the bottom five, if not dead last. Yeah. So. Yeah. If, if Arthur Smith can get this to a six or seven win team with Marcus Mariota at quarterback, that
1: is the coach of the year job, if you ask me. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree because the, – and the thing that, you know, I think um, Chuck made an uh, interesting point because the, diff, the biggest difference between his coaching staff – um, from and from Dan Quinn's staff is that these guys are going to make adjustments by hook or by crook, whether they were wrong or right in coming into a preparation for something. And and I think the prime example of that is when the uh, Arthur Smith decided to play the starters this year because he he decided not to do that last year, and he's saying, you know right. what, that was a mistake. I understand what it is now. You know whether or not that would have helped us beat the, the the Philadelphia Eagles in the opener. I don't know, but I know that I need to have my guys out there to kind of see what you yeah, have a good idea of cool. what you're going to go into, right? Joint practices
0: are also that. I mean, people want yeah. to do – the joint practices yep. are where the ones get all their reps so I can play the twos and the threes in an actual game and get more game tape on them per se because right. if I have to play the starters, that's less looks I have at the guys who might be 45 through 53 on the final roster. So the, the ones get all the reps in these practices, which is why they do them. Uh, and get less reps in the game so you can see the, the other guys longer. So I, I think he's taking a different angle preparation wise. Let's see if it pays dividends week one against the Saints. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't know that necessarily it will. However, comma uh, I am taking the Falcons with the points in week one, uh, mm. which is a. Uh, there's a trend there, guys. There is a trend. You can find trends on this stuff at betonline.net. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. They have reviews and news on every league. Obviously, Major League Baseball winding down. They're going to start heading to the playoffs, get some great info there. NFL winding up as we are talking about. NBA right around the corner. NHL. Combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet online continues to be the top online online resource for all your sports wagering information. Live in game betting, scores, and podcasts—they've got you covered. Live in game betting is a lot of fun. You don't have to be an expert at it. Um, there is really, really no secret formula. You just kind of watch the flow of the game and try to be predictive about what's going to happen. So you can head on Bet Online today. Use your mobile device. You can learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. Uh, and wrapping things up here, guys. On the Falcons, just it'll be interesting to see how this team starts. They have a very very tough schedule. No one's going to be surprised if they struggle from a win and loss standpoint, but I'm not measuring win and losses for this team. I'm just measuring competitiveness. Are they competitive in games? Can they keep them close? I think that's really the only thing that matters.
2: Yeah. Going out on the West coast early on when you got back to back West coast games, that's not good for any team in the NFL to, to have to go out to LA and Seattle early on, but I'm with you. I mean, look, I I, I've got to see, I've got to see that there is some kind of style and philosophy to what they do. And are we going to be better? So look, if, if they're another 18 sack team, this thing will be, you know, they'll be they'll be drafting in the top one or two or three next year. If their quarterback play just falls off a cliff, they'll be drafting in the top one or two or three.
1: And I think that that's the one thing that you have to kind of keep in mind is like the, that the progression of the defense. Right. Because. Like, like you said, they're not second the quarterback, they're not doing anything. They're not getting better. And and then that's from a then you gotta start questioning the personnel evaluation. Because if you're not if you continue to bring in guys and using second and third round draft picks on guys that can't do what you drafted them to do, that's when you start to have another conversation. And yeah, the only thing I mean, we want to have that this early. <laughs> the, bottom, the bottom line is, is there are two categories that statistically
0: change things offensively uh, for teams. The, the touchdown rate when you don't give up a sack versus when you do give up a sack is a phenomenal difference. And when you do have a penalty versus when you don't have a penalty. Um, and the analytics nerds really dive into this, what happens when you have a penalty on or a sack on an offensive drive and what it does to impact it versus what happens when you're clean. So we'll see if they can control the things they can control in those areas. All right, let's shift, let's shift gears here to the Atlanta Braves as they continue their march towards the postseason here. And uh, you know, look, uh, if you if you were to talk to us back on May 31st, nobody might have ever thought we would have been here, uh, but here we are. You know, the Braves sitting there, striking distance of first base, first base, first place, and uh, <laughs> getting ready to go into a, do a big weekend series here with the Cardinals. Um, look, here's here's the thing with. Uh, the Braves right now. They have what we call good problems, right? Two games at a first, right? Now, but they have a lot of guys who can play and a lot of guys who are hitting and hitting well. And how do they get them all in the lineup? That said, I, you know, you guys know me. I, I love to throw out hypotheticals and, and, and debate and everything else. I just toss this around because of the way Vaughn Grissom is playing as of late. And it's a problem that Brian Snecker is going to have to deal with here in the next 30 days when Ozzy Albies comes back. Uh, What do you do with Vaughn Grissom and where does he play? And, you know, the hypothetical was if Danzig Swanson re-signs next year, who does Alex Anthopoulos trade? Is it Vaughn Grissom or Ozzie Albies? Uh, I found it laughable that there was actually 41% of people who wanted to trade Ozzie Albies um, in a poll that got a lot of response. This is an all-star second baseman, a gold-glove caliber defender, a great top-of-the-order guy who can steal bases, and people, 41% of the people who voted... And he has the, the greatest,
1: greatest contract from an organizational standpoint yeah. ever. <laughs> the 41- cheapest contract ever. <laughs>
0: Not only that, guys, for a guy who has played 20 games in the majors, like that to me was even more laughable. That said, you know, again, what do you do... Because Ozzy Albies is not returning to the lineup to be a platoon second baseman or a platoon DH. He's coming back to be an everyday starter. That's why he's here. That's why he got the contract. He That's why he got an eight-year deal, because he's an everyday second baseman. So how does Brian Snicker handle this good problem that he has in getting Vaughn Grissom in the lineup? Whether it's at DH or get this, guys. Ready? You just move people to left field because it's been done before. Cause Chipper Jones once played left field and he's in the hall of fame. So obviously Vaughn Grissom is going to the hall of fame because he can play left field too, but yeah, figure this out for me guys.
2: Yeah. Pe- people, and this is, this is funny to your point. People think that Major League Baseball is beer league softball, right? It's like <laughs> you and your buddies at three o'clock in the afternoon in Decatur that we got a double header, then we're going for burgers and beers
1: after that. easy. And
2: I'll just I'll play third base in game one and I'll run out the left field in game two. It's funny. I had a chance last night to talk to Andrew Jones and, and I asked him this. I was like and I talked to Marquise Grissom as well. Asked them both the same question. Everybody wants to just throw him out in left field. Cause again, we've seen Rob Deere and Jose Conseco. But those guys also played the position, like they understood. And remember about Chipper to your point, Mark. Remember, he got a chance to spend the whole offseason getting ready to play left field because they brought Vinny Castilla in to play third base and he had the off-season to get ready. You're not throwing a guy out that's never played that position in the middle of a pennant race to just go out there and do it. Now, to your point about what they're gonna do, Snickers uh, look Snickers' best quality is also at times his biggest fault. That's his loyalty to his players. You know, he is hyper-loyal to certain guys, and then that also bites him in the butt at times. You have to play Ozzie, and Grissom will kind of, and I hate to say it this way, but it will sort of work itself, because don't forget, you got Arcia coming back, too, another guy that they're going to have on their bench that can play in the infield. I'm not for training anybody, even in the offseason. I think you figure some things out, and to your point, it's a good problem to have, but before I start moving guys and I start throwing a guy in left and I start throwing a guy here and doing all this kind of stuff, let me get my lineup together first, right? Let me get all my guys, you know, that I'm supposed to have here. And then I'll have it's the same thing they had with Contreras, right? I mean, everybody's like, well, how are you going to play Contreras? Well, it worked itself out. Ozuna stinks and he's arrested. So guess what? He can play a lot more DH now and stuff like that, even though he's your backup catcher. So these things sort of have a way of working themselves out. Whether good, bad, injury, whatever, like that, they sort of find their way back on the road and kind of get down that right path.
1: I think the one thing that that uh, that Chuck brought up is that the fact that I think Brian Snicker has been had. Done a pretty damn good job of making these decisions, right? Like, and I kind of I'm in a place space where I I trust them to make that decision, and I think that it's pretty easy once you think about it. In the now, if you're thinking it from the now standpoint, I, of course, Ozzie Albies is gonna go back in there. Of course, you know you're gonna keep uh, Grant, Von Grissom on the roster and figure it out. You just figure out a way to get this dude on the field, whether it's be Contreras, you know, sitting down. If you're giving um 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 if you giving uh Darno a day off or whatever, you're gonna sit and have Contreras behind the plate and you drop you you drop on um, Von Grissom in a DA spot. Or but you don't though like like uh, Chuck said, you do not throw him out there in the left field because like it's not like you know, this is the Pittsburgh Pirates and you're just trying to figure some things out and, and towards the end of the season, you're damn trying to go for back to back World Series and you need to know exactly what you're gonna get once you put anybody's name in that damn lineup.
0: But by the way, whether it's now in a pennant race or heading into next season, what if Vaugerson doesn't want to play left field? Like that's a realistic possibility. No, I'm not playing left field. I'm a second base, I'm a shortstop or a second baseman or a third. I'm an infielder. I don't want to play the outfield. Okay, that's okay for him to say that. Like, it's not against the rules. And people, well, he's not a team player. Now we should trade his ass. Like, that. I mean, <laughs> I, I, you know, like he's allowed to not want to play the outfield and learn a new position. And everybody naturally thinks, well, that's what he has to do to stay in the base. And that's what he has to No, he doesn't have to. Well,
1: because
2: everybody I mean, thinks it's fantasy sports, Mark. Right. I mean, just exactly. <laughs> drop
1: him in there and sports, do what you do. No, no.
2: I can just, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm, man- I've got, I'm managing my own team. The, the right?
1: names I got, I got called on
0: Twitter yeah. yesterday for asserting the idea that Vaughn Grissom couldn't play left field was, uh, or even didn't want to play left field, was, was long and distinguished, to say the least.
2: Well, because they're add- going to go down to, Dec- they're going to Decatur with their buddies on Saturday, and they're going to play <laughs> softball. softball and they headed over to Grindhouse <laughs> or Lucky's to go get some burgers and beer, and look what we did on Saturday.
0: Yeah. Hey, listen, man. If, if you can do it at Beer League Softball, everybody can that do it. That sounds like fun right there, oh, Chip. Chuck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that we going to do a
2: hangout at a Beer League Softball
0: I, I, I think. Let's I, do that. I think <laughs> I asked <laughs> this question last time we did this, guys, and I want to ask it again to see if anybody's opinions have changed. Playoffs start tomorrow. It, it doesn't matter the order. Who are your top three starters for the Bridge? Wow, I would well, have Max to go. Is
2: my, Max Free's my game one guy. He's the best left hander. Right. He's well, Max Freed
0: right. is obviously. So,
1: who are two and three?
2: Uh, I'll take Kyle Wright number two. And I'll take Charlie Morton number three.
1: I'm going. Man, I, the first the, I'm gonna say wasn't first came popped in my mind. Max Freed, Kyle Wright, and Spencer Strider. I don't Fire. know why that popped in my popped Fire. in my I head, but. Not. I know I'm Charlie Moore has been pitching really pitching well lately. but I'm just like, man, I would love not to see him
0: line him up, man. Line him I am up. Not, not pitching Spencer Strider in the first three games of a playoff series. Just not doing it.
1: You think right. Snicker will do that?
0: No, I think Snicker. No, will he won't. He, yeah. he, Snicker yeah, will yeah, sit yeah. down Strider in favor of Charlie Moore. Right. Yeah,
1: you go with Charlie. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like that, right. loyal, that loyalty He's you teaching. talked about. Yeah. Right. That, that,
2: yeah, Strider will pitch a game four. Like, like he'll pitch a game four, no doubt about it. He'll get yeah.
0: But that's that. if that's if the situation merits it, right? right? Like, so are you? If you're down one, two in a series, are you giving the ball to the or Strider?
2: But, but Mark, the way the playoffs are now, like, there's not much time in between no. games. Well, in a
0: seven-game series, there is. In a five-game series, you're right. Yeah. There's not.
2: But but in I mean you, series, but, but if you look you are you, like on one day, off the next, on, off. I mean, you don't have you don't have like the three it's not like the NBA where like they play on Tuesday and then Wednesday of the next week they finally play their next right. game. They go pretty quick. So you're kind of that's why these teams are scrap like you see in the scrap, they're always pitching some vagabond that you know they just had to make as their you know their opener, you know, okay, because so it, if, it, if, you, if you'd like
0: to slice and dice this a little bit. It may be more advantageous to start Strider in a game three whether unless you are down 0-2, right? If you're 1-1 right, yeah. or up 2-0, right, I would go with Strider in that spot. I know this. If I'm down 1-2, for me as a manager, it's tough for me to give a ball, in a five-game series especially, give the ball to a rookie to go save my season. That's but fair. I think, yeah. I think that is the spot where Strider gets a bump above Morton. And, again, a lot of this is flexible. I always just think this is a fun conversation to have. Uh, based off of what people value. But that's why, more than anything, I'd start Strider in game two. I'd start, I would take, he has got the best stuff on this staff. And I don't think that's debatable. He's not the best pitcher on the staff. He's got the best stuff on the staff. His stuff is the most swing and miss, most unhittable stuff out there. So I just think
2: it's, I, I, when you look at what Kyle Wright has done, you can't dumb your way to six and five or 16 and five and right. under three ERA and almost nine strikeouts per nine innings. I mean, he's been outstanding. Like nobody had on their bingo card him winning 20 games this year for this team. So look, again, he may not have the stuff that Strider does, but he's got plenty of moxie and he's going to go out there and he's going to make sure you got a chance to win every time he gets the ball out there. You don't have to worry about one of those three inning, five run, you know, 89 pitch types of outings from Kyle Wright. He goes out there and he's gonna what what did he throw the other night? Like seventy-three pitches or whatever? Pitches, that, yeah, that it was start? ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I mean,
2: that's ridiculous. the other thought about
0: it, you could throw 73 pitches against the Pirates and probably get 15 outs. So that's neither here yeah. nor there. Yeah,
1: well, yeah that's yeah, that's another fair statement.
0: <laughs> oh man. Great, great wake me up. You know what else is a great wake me up uh, coffee AM guys? I, we talk about this product all the time because it is fantastic. I'll never I'm forget right now. When I there you go oh, I just yeah, had buddy. My, I got on here. Um, I'll never forget when the box came to my house and I opened it up and the smell just like hits you straight in the face. It is the
2: that the, was that not the greatest it thing was, ever. The whole is, house smelled like ever. coffee.
0: And why is it, it so fresh? Because they roast and ship their coffees on the same day or very close to it. And here's the crazy part yes. too: they get them from all over the world, guys. Do you know where Tanzania is? Do you know where Sumatra is? Most people don't. But the coffee that's from
2: the, the Philips AAA affiliate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the coffee from there is amazing. Uh, it's it's organic. It's fair trade, direct trade. They're expertly crafted blends of espressos, uh, flavored coffees, gourmet teas, and a whole lot more. And they're roasted right here in the back in our backyard right in Atlanta. So go to coffeeam.com backslash locked on and take a full look at the uh, Phillies AAA farm system. No, I mean, they're full <laughs> list of coffees, teas, and gift sets. It's coffeeam.com backslash locked on. Use the cu- coupon code locked on at checkout. You'll get 15% off your first order of coffees, teas, gift sets, and a whole lot more. Coffeeam.com, the best. Small batch coffee roaster in America, and it's right here in Atlanta. All right. Uh, speaking of wake-me-ups, uh, we're, we're wondering if Deion Jones is going to need to wake me up here. And the, the real simple question to ask, guys, is what is the plan with Dion? Clearly, we know that they wanted to trade him. Clearly, we know that they were trying to get rid of him. They found no takers. And so, much like Kevin Durant in Brooklyn, we had to put our arms back around him and say, hey, man, come be one of us. Uh, I still think there is a fantastic opportunity to get him traded Probably maybe after week one, um, when salary cap uh, things change a little bit. And two, uh, prior to the deadline. I, I still think the ultimate goal is to move on from Deion Jones. Clearly, Dean Peace doesn't see him as a centerpiece of this defense. Clearly, Dean Peace doesn't see him as the guy who can anchor this defense. Because if he did, he would have made that known already. If you look at Dean Peace's track record, what did he have? Oh, he had Teddy Bruschi in the middle in New England. They win Super Bowls. He had Ray Lewis in the middle in Baltimore. They win Super Bowls, right? Like he has those anchors, and traditionally he's had those anchors in the middle. He's not his guy, so I can't still envision him being here long.
2: I I, I, thought, I, you. I was going to say, I thought the comments from Arthur Smith about, well, you know, he's going to have trouble getting on the field with all the competition we got here. And I'm thinking about three years ago, nobody would have said that about Deion Jones, about, you know, he'd have trouble getting on the field. And to your point, I don't think he fits the profile of what Dean Pease wants. That's why they brought Rashawn Evans and Kiewitkowski and guys like that in here. But the idea that the head coach came out and said, and this is a guy who, let's face it, for a handful of years has been one of the stalwarts on your defense. I mean, three, four years ago, he was looked at as the ideal linebacker in the NFL. Now you're is talking about, cover? yeah, now you're talking about, all pro.
1: <laughs> <what>? yeah, <laughs> like, We're talking, you're about all talking
2: about well, I don't know if he can get on the field because of the competition. I'm thinking myself with all due respect. It ain't like they've got Jack Lambert and Ray Lewis running around on the field right now To that's taken – I mean, I love Michael Walker, but Michael Walker ain't done a third of the things that Deion Jones has done in the NFL, and we're talking about he's having trouble getting on the field. I'm with you, Mark. I don't think he's going to be – I don't think he's going to be here week one. I, I think they think want him to play him. And,
0: and show that he can play and hopefully try to dump him for a late-round pick.
2: Yeah.
1: Even D.P. said coming said in, coming into the season when he was getting ready and having those uh, press conferences and everything, he said himself, he was like – I looked at Michael Walker. I knew last year, once the season ended, that I knew that Michael Walker was going to be my my signal caller going into the season. Like, come on now. And that, that was before we even found out about the offseason. Shoulder surgery, all that stuff. These guys had moved on from Deion Jones. They had moved on. They just couldn't trade him.
0: Help yourself out. He like, dog piss last year. Like just general right. lack of effort at the entire position. There's multiple, you know, pieces of film on it. You could see he was just lazy. He didn't like he mentally checked out and it's cost him a shot to to uh to to get a starting job back in this league. I mean, right Look, now let he still no value. Ask you,
2: Mark, I want to ask you a question because mm-hmm. and Jarvis and I have talked about this. I think they because it was just basically a shoulder cleanup is what he had done. Right. Yeah. Okay. You couldn't have done that. In, on Valentine's day, you you couldn't have done that first of March. They timed and, and I'll conspiracy it was perfect theory, time, man. they timed everything out to miss OTAs, put them on the pup list and they timed out everything to not have to force him on the field, to not have to answer questions about where is he? Why is he not in the, whatever they, Timed all this out for a reason. I don't think they just arbitrarily said, "Okay, now go get your shoulder cleaned up." And and you know, because they could have done they could have done that again on Valentine's Day. That could have been his Valentine's Day president. They could have
0: done it the second week of January, January for crying yeah. out yeah. loud. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: hey, Happy New Year! Get your shoulder cleaned up. I mean, they could have done it any time that they wanted, but they but everything waited well, until oh yeah, now it's mandatory minis. Now he's going to get his shoulder cleaned up.
0: Well, and, and to, your, to your point, I mean, he didn't go through the team for this surgery like this right. wasn't done by the team doctors. This wasn't done through the Falcons. He went on his own to go get this thing cleaned up and told the Falcons after the fact about it. So that in and of itself lends to conspiracy theories as to why you did that when theoretically, you know, you, you have health insurance you know, from your team and they're supposed to take care of all this stuff so they can track it all. Um, that in and of itself, when you go rogue like that and find your own doctor, you have a bad relationship with the team. That's at a minimum. That's what that means. You don't trust the team doctors. You don't trust the trainers. You don't trust the staff that you're going out to somewhere else to get this thing done. Um, so I agree with you and yes, the timing of it was absolutely, absolutely planned, um, to do it. And I don't necessarily know if it's about, um, you know, missing OTAs as much as it was about like. You're untradeable when you're hurt. You really—it's really, really hard to trade a player. And so they—he waited until March when after when free agency hit and everything else that uh, all the chips fell where they may and everybody had somebody. Then you get—you know—you you report the surgery just prior to free agency because I can't trade you before. And once free agency hits, it's like let me go get a guy who's cheaper who probably can do the same thing who's not injured. As opposed to giving away an asset and trading for a guy who actually hits my salary cap and costs a lot more, so yeah, I think all of that was part of the plan of Deion Jones to, to stall this process as long as he could
1: until he was ready to be traded. And the big, hey, big Michael let me yeah. let me tell you something. Let me tell y'all something. I think like like both parties are being calculated right because we know how the falcons are big on perception right they don't they don't like bad stuff they don't like bad press they are um, being t- said yeah, about them so I, of any <laughs> team in the NFL. oh yeah no doubt no doubt about it a lot of and a, a lot of beat writers for a lot of nfl teams would probably say the exact same thing but i think that both parties said that hey we're gonna make we're gonna work this situation out to our advantage that's why they, the um, they on um, Deion Jones's camp, they they delayed that the surgery as much as possible. And the Falcons, from the Falcons side, of they was just like, you know what, go ahead, do your thing, and we're gonna put you on this pup list, or we're gonna have to answer any questions about you. And I think that, I think that, but you're gonna come to, things are gonna come to a head because when you talk about NFL veterans salaries being guaranteed once the season starts and all that stuff, that's when you're gonna have to, they, there's gonna be a crunch time to come with this situation because that's why I think that. We may see Deion Jones play a little bit tomorrow because so teams can say, you know what? Oh, he is healthy. So let's see what it, let's see what he got. Let's let's have a conversation about you know what we what what some what some uh what makes sense for is from a trade standpoint.
2: And Mark, to your point too, let me tell you that Emory Healthcare facility they built at their training campsite, site. Man, Well, I tell you Making that it. thing is state of the art, <laughs> <laughs> and is and and there are and and I talked to some of the Falcons personnel and was asking like. Why didn't y'all have this before? And I'm not gonna say what they told me, but that place is a state of the art as you they don't have to go off site for MRIs, they don't have to do anything anymore. They can literally stay right there in Flowery Branch and handle anything that you've got coming up out there. I mean, it is high caliber, and you know, Arthur Blank isn't gonna do anything, you know, on the cheap or like that. That facility is amazing. So to your point, they don't have to have anybody go anywhere. They they can right. do everything they want right there at their facility in flowery branch
0: yeah and again i just at this point you know i I don't know what the desire of the organization is to hold on to this and drag this out and make it uglier than what it needs to be i've said this routinely guys especially in sports but this is also like you know in life you make a bad business decision a bad investment the minute you know it's a bad investment cut bait and get the hell out there's no reason to double down on a bad investment or a bad business decision by dragging it out even longer The minute you know a coach doesn't work, fire him. The minute you know a player is done, get rid of him. The minute you know that something doesn't work from a marketing standpoint, stop doing it. Like, there's no reason to continue to drag. All it's going to do is be a cloud over the – you know, when you're saying we hope a guy isn't a distraction, he's already a distraction. (laughs) Like, you've already hit the point that it's a distraction when you have to announce out loud we hope we don't think he's going to be a distraction. You're distracted. So, like, none of this ends well, and we all know how it ends. What the hell are you waiting for? Just cut the guy. And let's some yeah, right, cocktail. <laughs>
2: Nothing ends well or it wouldn't end,
0: right? Um, so, like, w- what are we doing here? Like, I just don't see the point to try and drag this out and, and hope that it, it, you know, you get a sixth round draft
1: pick for the guy.
0: Screw it, just cut him and get be done with this. You're eating the cap money anyway.
1: And I think I one of the things that, yeah, it's, it's now, no, I'm just gonna say that, you know, I think it was like the number was, I think they will only save one million dollars oh, yeah. if they were to cut him. Like, I mean. Like, like you said, because what's the best compensation? Like Mark said, a six-round draft pick? Who gives a crap about a six-round draft pick? You've I, moved I on. Don't, you...
2: I don't think they want the – I think part of it is what you guys said. I don't think they want the PR hit of saying, well, we just cut Deion Jones, who's been a stalwart for your defense. And let's face it, when when you interview Falcons players, there were like three guys. You you talked to Grady, Deion Jones, Ricardo Allen. For years, that's the guys you, right. you talked to. He's been Mm -hmm. one of the faces of your franchise, Um, good, bad, or otherwise say whatever you want about it as a player, but he's been one of the faces of your franchise and one of the mouthpieces and the idea of just cutting him for no compensation or whatever. I don't think they, I don't think they want that look. I don't think that they, I think that's part of it is they just don't want the,
0: you know, it's, you know, it's the worst look. When Deion Jones, after he does finally get cut or traded, comes out and, and dumps on the organization and
1: everything that they did wrong. Oh, yeah. That's an even worse look.
2: Yeah. And put him in a bad spot to be able to latch on with
1: somebody else. So yeah. I, I mean, just Dan Quinn, just make the call. I mean, Chuck, oh, go the ahead and call DQ up yeah. and tell him, yeah. like, hey, man, come get your boy because yeah. everybody want to move on and yeah. it's time to go ahead and make the situation right, man. <laughs>
0: for, for, for an organization, if you're worried about the bad look for Deion Jones – over the bad look of deshaun watson and matt ryan uh, oh god Deion jones isn't a bad look so let's just forget and this is why I, sometimes this, this falcons pr team is so it's a sweet bad. 16 party the, compared to the Deshaun the, watson case the communications department lacks so much like you can't get much of a worse bad look than dumping the best quarterback and the best player in your entire franchise's history For a guy who had that going on with Deshaun Watson, like you don't get a worse look than that. What what do we do? I'll say
2: say this, Mark. And I've said this consistently. The Falcons didn't move on from Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan moved on from the Falcons. Matt Ryan said, you know what? Let me go find me a better spot. Let me go find me a new place. That because I'll say this 10 years ago, Arthur Blank wouldn't have gone down that road to go get a Deshaun Watson. He wouldn't have done it. He say what you want about Arthur. A decade ago, when he was still kind of without the cancer and without where he's at in life and all, he wouldn't have gone and, and gone for a move. Even if he needed a quarterback, they wouldn't have gone down a road like that. Now, no, never. A, he had a, a quarterback
1: diff- go to federal prison, Chuck. Of course he wouldn't yeah. make that situation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
2: No. And, and by the way, no, by the way no, no, no. when that guy got out, the first thing he did was sue that quarterback. First thing he did with Mike when he got out of prison was he I sued Mike money. to get all that, all that, um, Money All the back, bonus yeah. money and everything back to get the money mm-hmm. back from him. He sued the guy.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Arthur Blank. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. definitely in a different headspace now. You I mean, know, in comparison, back in the day. Yep. Right. At this point, the optics don't really matter.
0: Like no. execute. You know, like if you're focused on optics, and and I get your point, Chuck. I mean, about you know cutting a guy that you, you paid twenty million dollars to a year and everything. Like, it's. But, but
2: I'm with Mark. I'm with you though. I'm. I'm. Look, if if he can't fit the scheme. What's the point of having him, right? I mean, Bill Parcell said, if I can make my 53rd spot on the roster better, then I go do that. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm just telling you what I think from part of what the Falcons right. themselves think about this. Brother, if he's not fitting, then move on. Cause you got to try out, try, try out Michael Walker, keep it. I don't care who, whatever, Troy Anderson, whatever you want to give me out there. If you think they're a better fit, play those guys and move on. Don't have the loyalty to somebody that. You just want to keep him around because you think he can mentor or whatever nonsense that you throw out there in the world of sports, you know, to, to do all of these things. If he doesn't fit your system and scheme, move on. Hell, what the hell do, does the cap matter this year anyway at this point? What difference does it make? They're they're they got no cap space or lots of cap space. Hello, don't matter at this point. You're done at this point with the cap.
0: Yeah.
1: Like Chuck mentioned, they've moved on from a scheme standpoint, right? We we understand that he doesn't fit into the scheme. And two, they moved on from a personnel standpoint. They literally drafted an inside linebacker in the second round. They right. brought in Keywakowski. They brought in Rashawn Evans. You know, all those guys fit the scheme from the scheme standpoint and a personnel standpoint. You've moved on in two ways. All you gotta do now just get him off the roster. Because yeah. that's 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 all that's left to do right now at this point. All
0: right, uh, any parting shots here, John Chucker, before we sign off for the day?
2: No, look, uh, I'm I'm I'll be honest with you. I'm glad preseason's about over. Um, <laughs> I like this three game <laughs> yes. stuff, and and I'm ready for it to be over, and I'm ready to get in. I want to see the 53 man roster, and let's go. Let's get all this stuff done and over with, and let's let's get ready for real football.
1: Jarvis, yeah. 30- I will go. Arthur Smith is telling you a story if he doesn't understand who's going to be the starter at the center position. Ain't no way in hell you're going to wait to Tuesday to figure that out. He, yeah, he knows. Know. He just had not made a decision. He just hasn't come out with it yet. All this said, gentlemen, Falcons plus four and a half week one at home
0: against the Saints. <laughs> Love it. It's already, it's already on the card. It's already on the card. <laughs> All right. That'll do it for our, our second uh, Locked On Sports Atlanta hangout here. Uh, make sure you guys give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On ATL. You can see our Twitter handles down below. But if you're just listening in the audio, it's uh, John, Mike, uh, John Michaels. John Chuckery. It says JM. So I said, sorry there, Chucks. I, I have
2: slightly more hair. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> just a little
0: bit. <laughs> just a little bit. A JMCH316. And I'm not married. I'm not that's married either. True. John, John Chuckery. Jarvis D90 for Jarvis Davis I'm Matt Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Uh, we appreciate you guys uh, staying with us. Subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Coming up over 3,000 subscribers. Guys, I've only been at this, not even six months yet. So we appreciate all the uh, support that you guys have shown. Locked on Sports Atlanta. Check out all the shows. John Chucker is hitting hard. Jarvis Davis has uh, ATL Day ones with Tanisha Batiste, Locked on Falcons, Locked on Hawks, our bravest postcast with Grant McCauley. And, of course, I have A to Z every single day right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. You guys have a wonderful Friday. Have a great weekend. Don't take any crap from me. We'll see you all on Monday.